The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Now, if lightly capitalised gold explorers, uh, your interest, we've got one for you today. It's called First AU, trades under the code FAU. Very modest market cap, around $4.3 million at the moment. Now, it's got uh, two key interests that we'll be focusing on today. Uh, the first has been in the company for a while, and it's Gimlet, a uh, gold project near Kalgoorlie, about 15 kilometres uh, from the centre of Australia's gold mining industry there. There's an inferred resource there of 120,000 ounces at uh, 3.19 grams a tonne, and the company has said it's looking to find a buyer or partner. So that obviously covers the, uh, the modest market cap. So let's focus on uh, the upside story here, the, the group's Victorian gold exploration program in the Alpine region of East Gippsland. And to bring us up to speed on just what's been happening there, we have Ryan Skeen with us today. He is the CEO and MD. G'day, Ryan. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Barry. Good to be here at uh, what I think is a pretty exciting time for the company. Right. Now, it's all uh, Evolve's haunted stream gold project where there has been a maiden drilling program, so nice hits. Just uh, fill us in on the background of, of what is probably... Uh, one of the best-named gold projects I've come across, Haunted Stream. <laughs> it is an outstanding name. Um, I think it probably just to sort of help give a bit of context, I'll go back to why we pegged the ground mm-hmm. in the first place. So historically, the area was mined sort of through the 1850s through to the late 1800s, maybe up to World War I, uh, and there was quite high uh, production grades sort of north of, of an ounce a tonne. Um, so we got hold of the ground uh, via our chief geologist, Dean Nielsen, uh, about three years ago, um, and we've been plugging away ever since, uh, developing an extensive understanding of the regional and geology, and then you know spending significant time understanding the, the specific prospects as well. Uh, so we've recently uh, announced the, the first couple of rounds of results from our maiden drill program. And I think to produce these sort of grades, you know, from your first attempt at any project is really quite outstanding. So, you know, just sort of giving a, a general idea of some of the numbers we're talking about, uh, 12.9 metres at three and a half from 38 metres. Um, that included a, a narrow high-grade hit of 36.88, so above an ounce. Uh, and then we sort of had some more uh, lower grade, but more extensive at 36.9 at 1.6. So every hole that we've reported so far, which is five, uh, we've hit, you know, quite compelling um, intersects of gold. Um, and, you know, we're, we hope to see that continue with the next lot of results to come also. Right. So there's still more to come out of the, lab, uh, the assay lab results? Absolutely. Um, we've guided that they'll probably be coming early September, but with any luck, they might be here a little bit before that. Mm, okay. Now, you mentioned... Uh a bit of the history there. Apparently, there's 150 historical workings along 8.5 kilometres of strike and mined up until the early 1900s. Um, do we know why 
uh, it stopped as it were? Uh, I think there's probably a couple of reasons. First, first was World War One, mm-hmm. um, and then the second one after that is probably the the activity and the discovery that then sort of happened in the the Ballarat Bendigo region. Um, as you mentioned, we are in an alpine region as well, so you know it presented a bit more of a challenge in terms of the the practical aspects of mining back in the early 1900s and even prior to that. So I think that people sort of went away from that and went and chased what they perceived to be the easier gold. Yeah. Okay. And it is a part of the world well known for uh, alluvial gold, but what you're talking about is what we would call Victorian reef gold. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no doubt um, there's significant evidence of that uh, across um, our uh, tenements as well. Um, so, you know, I've just come back uh, yesterday. I was up on site with our geologists spending a little bit of time in some of the old historical underground workings. Um, so, you know, there, there's very extensive evidence of reef mining there as well as alluvial mining. Um, and, you know, to have such significant amounts and, you know, we're, we're talking dozens of underground, you know, adits and stopes and all sorts of things. Um, so the amount of knowledge that we've been able to get from working and understanding and spending time mapping those has been quite significant and you know i would say it's a huge reason that we've had the success that we have on our maiden drilling yeah for sure don't we uh, explain to us uh 150 historical workings plus how do you zero in on where to actually drill because we are talking quite rugged country it's uh, it's it's not as if you can just pull up in a four-wheel drive and get going um is there some structural understanding you have now of the, the system, what could be potentially a large mineralized system at shallow depth? Yeah, for sure. I'd say there's two components to sort of what drives our, you know, the, the prioritization of drill targeting. There's no doubt the practical component of it um, is one of those. So, you know, where we've just completed the drilling, we actually, it is off an existing track. Um, it is where... Um, you know, mantle mining uh, had previously put some drill pads in. So, you know, that was really quite straightforward to go in there and, and undertake the drilling that we did. Um, mm-hmm. But that's certainly overlaid and, you know, the priority is no doubt, uh, you know, the geological prospectivity. Um, and, yeah, the, for sure that's based on, you know, our our understanding of the geology, our understanding of the structures. Uh, and, again, then that's overlaid with, you know, sampling that we've done, historic production um, and all these sorts of things. And, you know, again, the, the areas that we've been able to spend a bit of time. So the area that we are drilling is the Ernestine Hibernia Corridor. Um, mm-hmm. And just by, you know, way of example that Ernestine uh, produced or that the historical reported production was at 39 grams per tonne. So, you know, that's a very compelling target for us to want to go and test that out. Um, and, you know, we've certainly seen evidence of that with that, with that uh, ounce plus hit that we have got. Hmm. Okay. Now, uh, um, you mentioned that the uh, historical work, is there any idea what historical production might have been from the area at all? Uh, I think it sort of varies. I couldn't put a total number on it, but I would, I would say we've got a better idea of um, another project, which is about 15 kilometres as the crow flies north, northwest. I'm oh, sorry, northeast. Um, that was about a hundred thousand ounces. I think Horned Stream was more in that sort of twenty to fifty thousand ounce um, area, but I wouldn't quote me on that. 
Um, but okay. you know, if I go through some of the ones that we do have the numbers for, um, you know, there's like 18, 1844, 1771, 927, 816, 1315, um, just as like five examples of, you know, those 150 workings across Hornet Stream. Mm. That one you mentioned, 14 kilometres away. What's the name of that one? So that's a snowstorm project. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the one that we've undertaken now, multiple drill programs there, um, and we're planning to undertake um, bulk sampling or trial mining, call it what you will, um, which we're currently going through the permitting process for. Right. Can you give us a feel for what permitting process in Victoria is like? Um, no particular dramas for you? Um, I think for us in this instance, it's not going to be because we're not going to be processing on site. Uh, I think the challenge in Victoria is not so much the mining aspect of it. It's the what are you going to do with the tailings? Um, and, you know, the, there's no doubt that uh, getting a tailings facility approved would be would make it much more challenging. But we're talking about taking, you know, a few thousand tonnes of material, um, you know, so that we can get a better understanding of the geological controls um, the metallurgy and, you know, ultimately make a decision as to whether we think the project is going to be worth pursuing further or not. Right. Now, you've uh, mentioned that uh, there's, well, I think there was uh, 11 holes completed. I think you've had assay results for five, so there's more in the pipeline. Do you have a feel at all at this stage what the forward program might be at Haunted Stream? Yeah, so we've undertaken some, um, whilst this has been ongoing, we've been... Um, undertaking some underground rehabilitation on some of the workings that extend beyond uh, further into the valley um, from where we've just completed drilling. Uh, And we're quite keen to get underground and undertake some drilling from there. Uh, And, you know, that's sort of, I think that's probably an even bigger priority target for us. And it's just, again, around the practical aspects of, you know, getting, making sure things are safe, making sure that we can get you know, airflow and drill rigs and all this sort of stuff underground um, to target some more high priority areas. Um, so that would be very much um, the, the next stage of drilling at Hornet Stream. Uh, we also have some other targets um, that that we're quite keen to get into as well. Um, so one of those is, it's called Rob Roy. Uh, it's one of the ones I reeled off the number from before. So. Historical production, 1,771 ounces at 31 grams per tonne. Um, but I think, you know, from what we've looked at, um, again, going underground and have, having a look at the historical edits and what they've sort of pulled out, that it really is something that looks quite compelling to us. Um, you know, the, the mineralisation seems to have good widths, uh, good grades, uh, and, you know, the, the geology suggests to us that, you know, the upside... Uh, there and you know the potential of that specific prospect on its own is really quite compelling. Mm. Okay, so you're definitely putting this part of the world on the map. It's been overlooked. Uh, focus in Victoria in the last uh, ten years or so has definitely been uh, central Victorian gold fields. I'm just wondering, um, are you? What's your coverage of the upside here? Are there any other competitors sniffing around, or have you got the what you think is the best of them covered with your exploration licenses? Uh, we think, in, particularly in the gold front, uh, we certainly think we've got you know a good chunk of the of the really good targets in the area. There are a few more in the area as well that you know um, are probably you know quite compelling in itself. Um, you know that 
couple of them owned by private companies and whatnot. Uh, I think in eastern Victoria, we've sort of started to see a bit more activity on the lithium front. So Dart Mining, who are north of us, um, Kalamazoo's pegged some ground, and both of these companies sort of go from northeast Victoria into New South Wales, so a bit mm. further north of us. Um, Nexus Minerals, uh, we've seen, so Eris Resources, probably something quite significant sort of happening with them, that they are um, in the process of bringing a copper mine um, into production in the area. Um, I can't remember the exact timeline on, on when they um, intend to sort of kick off production. But I think the general point I would add is that there's starting to be a, an increase in activity in the area. Um, and hopefully that's going to bring a, a few more eyes to, you know, the region as well. Um, and we're very happy with the, the ground holding that we've got. Uh, you mentioned uh, the lithium hunt and uh, the... Uh the return of that uh, copper mine by Ares. I was just wondering on your ground, are there any uh, base metals to uh, speak of? We think there could be. We we have drill tested a target um, called Dogwood in which we were targeting a porphyry copper that had historically been drilled by um, CRA. I think our assessment of it was that it's probably a little bit beyond our resources that, you know, the, the results mm-hmm. indicated that we were potentially zeroing in on a porphyry target uh, but you know, we were sort we sort of got to you know three hundred and fifty odd meters. But you know, as you know, three and a half million market cap. You're looking to drill some pretty deep holes uh, and quite a few of them to sort of test out a porphyry copper target. So uh, there's there's certainly potential for the in the area for um, copper, no doubt. Um, so you know, we're probably at, so far been quite focused on the gold um, aspects of our tenements. Um, but you know, we're you know, just in terms of timing of getting a, a drill rig on site next, uh, we are looking to undertake some more regional exploration uh, across, you know, our two and a half thousand square kilometre package to assess for potential of things like, you know, copper base metals um, and your critical minerals as well. Um, I know dark mining had some success using LIDAR to strip back the trees, as it were, and see what the surface geology was looking like and uh, came up with those pegmatite uh, targets and now drilling with uh, Chile's SQM. I was just wondering, have you used uh, LIDAR to find out just where all these historic gold mining operations are? Absolutely, we have. So we've used the LIDAR at both Snowstorm and Horned Stream so far. Um, I think certainly at Snowstorm, it's been able to identify um, some historic workings that we were un we were unaware of previously. Yeah, crazy. I think as well, we've then gone and sampled some of those too. Uh, and it's probably what in our, has helped us support the idea that, you know, the, the strike is going to be, or there is potential continuity of the strike from, you know, the, the top of the hill where we've had some good results and the bottom of the hill where we've had some good results. Uh, we've been able to use it at um, Hornet Stream to, again to identify historic workings. Uh, but we did some um, further interpretation with some assistance um, from some consultants on the LIDAR, and we were able to sort of pull out some structural information as well, um, which has really been quite useful. So um, I couldn't tell you the specific uh, announcement to go to, but um, there is um, some maps that we have released where we've used the LIDAR and overlaid that with some structural interpretations as well mm. so it's been very useful for us too right uh, lidar is very handy too of course for uh, people identifying four-wheel uh, 
driving tracks and fishing holes. Uh, have you dropped a line in any of the fishing holes yourself? <laughs> I must admit, I'm not much of a fisherman, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind uh, a bit of bush bashing in the four wheel drive when we get up there. It's a it's a bit of fun. Um, mm. It's certainly you know a wonderful part of the world to to explore. Some of the some of the views are amazing up there. Mm. And it must have been 25 years ago. Um, you mentioned CRA earlier. Um, obviously, now part of Rio Tinto, a senior geologist there at the time, whose name I can't remember, but he did tell me that because this part of the world had been overlooked because of the focus on the uh, central Victorian gold fields, he's, he said the uh, the rocks in this part of the world had been ignored for so long and it was probably where the next big gold discovery in Victoria would be made. So um hasn't happened yet, but uh, you guys are certainly in the hunt. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, um, again, going back to why we're in the area, one of the theories uh, has been that our ground is an extension of the Bendigo Ballarat zone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't do it justice if I tried to give you a technical explanation, but uh, effectively geological activity um, caused the bending and folding of, of the area. And that's how our ground has ended up in Eastern Victoria um, from being a long strike to that. So, and and there's certainly evidence that the rocks are the same. Um, I would suggest that, um, you know, based on our understanding, the the geology might be a little bit more complex, but, you know, everything that we're seeing, uh, you know, from the the sampling, from the mapping, from the, the drill results that we've seen to date certainly indicates that, there is potential for a major discovery. Okay. Just a matter of interest, what's your uh, base town? You know, let's head to Omeo or Dargo. Where do you go to before you get out in the bush? Yeah, so we've sort of got a base set up in Swifts Creek. Uh, so it's only a very little town, but um, mm-hmm. one of the, the the vendor of our snowstorm project um, owns the local IGA there. Uh, and we've got a very good relationship with him and the locals in the region. They're very supportive of what we're doing, which yeah. is which is obviously a you know a key to being a successful explorer. Mm, okay, good exploration results, like you've been reporting, um, attracts uh, funding, equity funding. I was just wondering what your cash position is at the moment, and uh, will you be able to maintain the pace in the next twelve months or so? Yeah, so we report a cash balance of about seven hundred and thirty grand at the end of um, the June quarter. Obviously, a little bit of time's elapsed since then, so we're probably uh, we're probably not quite in the same position. Um, but we are looking to undertake, um, you know, as you su- suggested earlier, um, you know, we're we're very open to a potential sale of our Gimlet asset. Um, so we're sort of looking to undertake funding options that aren't going to be overly dilutive at this point in time. Um, we're also we don't have a drill rig locked in for the next program just yet or a time frame locked in for the next program just yet. Um, so we obviously will need to look at financing options for that um, before undertaking that, uh, but it's certainly not something that's on the immediate um, horizon at the moment. Uh, you know, I think you know, we'd like to see a little bit more, uh, you know, obviously see our share price go up and you know, the market improve a little bit in general before we do, but you know, obviously you can't control those things. So. Um, we'll do what we need to to make sure we can move the project forward. All right. Okay. 
All right. Uh, now, we might uh, repeat things that have been said, but it's always a good idea, I think, just to give investors a, uh, a sharp focus on what milestones they should be looking out for as, uh, in the next six months or so. Yeah, for sure. So the most immediate is going to be the, the next lot of drill results from Hornet Stream. Uh, following that, uh, we are expecting that we'll get uh, permitting approvals to undertake the, the bulk sampling slash trial mining at Snowstorm prior to the end of the year. Uh, yeah. And then I would expect some news flow around uh, regional exploration uh, and some further drilling underway at, at, at Hornet Stream in particular. Right. Okay, there we go, folks. A very interesting story in an overlooked uh, gold region in Victoria. Uh, inside a company with a market cap currently of 4.3 million. And uh, Ryan has told us that uh, there's more <coughs> assay results uh, due to be coming out of the lab. So we'll be watching out for those and uh, look forward to the uh, forward program in coming months. So, Ryan, with that, thanks for your time today. Much appreciated. We'll be watch watching with interest. Thanks a lot, Barry. Good to catch up. Cheers.